0: On Sunday evenings, the first Sunday of the month, I try to answer questions that are presented. And tonight, I want to point out to you, as I have each month, is there are different types of questions that are asked. Some are textual. That is, what does the Bible say in this particular passage? That will be the kind of question that we will address tonight. Others are topical. Many people have questions about various things that are discussed in the Bible, but they're discussed in several places, uh, particularly main biblical doctrines. And then there are those that are practical, and to be honest with you, I like the practical questions because that's how do you take God's Word and use it to deal with a particular uh, issue that you may be facing in your life. Now, you will know each month that as I address these, sometimes I'll address two sometimes three questions. But some questions are more difficult than others. And uh, sometimes when I'm asked these questions and I look at them and I'll say, well, I can do that in about 15 minutes. This is the one that tonight I feel like if I had about three hours and a half, I might get it introduced. I will tell you that uh, after looking at it, One of the greatest challenges is to be able to present it in a fashion that when I finish, you walk out the door and say, I learned something or I got something from that. The last thing that I want to do is to leave you confused. But I will tell you that when you're addressing difficult topics, sometimes it's not the easiest thing to address, and some require more difficulty than others And I will tell you, some texts are in what is referred to as apocalyptic language. And what that means is that it is a revealing message. And to do that, the writers use symbols and they use various things that you have to interpret. Well, the question, we're only going to deal with one tonight, is please explain the 70 weeks found in Daniel chapter 9. So what that means is you need to open your Bibles now to Daniel chapter 9, and what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what we know and what we understand, and I will point out to you that in order to fully understand this passage, you have to observe two things. The first one is extremely important, the context in which this appears. Why is Daniel writing this? What brought all of this on? Number two is the chronology and the calculation that was given to Daniel and uh, as he uses that in comparison with Jeremiah. The context, that is the time in which Daniel's prophecy begins and continues to, covers a long span of time. If you begin with the first part of the book, you're beginning even after Daniel's already a young man, and that's about 606 B.C. If you go to the reign of Darius I, who was a Mede, you're going to about 522 B.C. So you are dealing with almost 80 years of time. Now, as you think about the context, as Brother Jeff read to us a few moments ago, it was in the first year of Darius, And if you go from 606 when Daniel is evidently at least a teenager, a young man capable of making his own decisions, and you fast forward to the time this is written, he's likely about 90 years of age. Daniel 9.1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes who was made king of the realm of the Chaldeans. Uh, We learn there where he is at. And that particularly relates to Daniel and where Daniel is located. But the focus here, which I think should be drawn out, is found in verse 2. And that is, he was doing some calculation himself, looking back to what Jeremiah had said. And Daniel 9 and verse 2 says, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, um, there's so much in that that could be explored, but I want you to notice he recognizes Jeremiah as a prophet and what Jeremiah says as the Word of God. He also recognizes that the prophecies that were spoken by Jeremiah in chapter 25, verses 11 and 12, and chapter 29 and verse 10... Those 70 years refers to the period of time in which the city would be in desolation. Uh, Verse 11, he says, they shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Then when it has come to pass, when the 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. Then if you'll look, chapter 29, 10, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. And cause you to return to this place. So Daniel was able to look at that and say, Okay, I'm looking at the city of Jerusalem. And I'm looking at God's judgment upon them. Then what takes place, and I think this is perhaps some of the most important of Daniel chapter 9, is Daniel looking back and saying, We got what we deserved we disobeyed God. We were not the kind of people God wanted us to be, what he told us to be. And for that reason, God actually treated us better than we deserved. And so for just a minute, I know it's a long, lengthy reading, but go with me from verses 3 through 19. He says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with thanks, fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I'm going to pause through this, and I want you to notice Daniel's attitude and what Daniel's doing. He's making requests of God. He's begging for God's mercy. He says, the 70 years have now been completed, Lord. Now be merciful to us. We know we got what we deserve. Verse 4, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him, and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We rebel by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face." "...as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those near and those far, and all the countries which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you." O Lord, to us belongs shame of face. Now pause for just a moment and think about what Daniel is saying. Lord, we're ashamed from who we were, who we have become... And now we're begging upon you to look at us. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Though we've rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel transgressed your law and has departed so as to not obey your voice, therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, is poured out on us because we sinned against him. you see him constantly saying, Lord, we know what we have done. We understand who we were. And he confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such never has been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As is written in the law of Moses, all disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. What Daniel is saying is, Lord, we're here today and we have not yet Confessed our sins. We have not yet responded by saying, We're sorry for what we have done. That's a significant point to be made. Daniel stands saying to God, Look at our city. It lies in ruins. Your 70 years has been fulfilled, and we've not yet said, I'm sorry. Therefore, the Lord has kept disaster in mind brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all of His works, which He does, and though we have not obeyed His voice. And now, O oh Lord our God, who have brought Your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made Yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O oh Lord, according to Your righteousness, I pray, let Your anger and Your fury be turned away from Your city, Jerusalem, Your holy mountain, Because for our sins, for our iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are reproached, all those who are around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Pause again. He's saying, Lord, look at the city. Look at the sanctuary. Talking about the temple Look how it has been destroyed. Look at the desolation it is in. And God, what we are pleading with you is to let your face shine upon us. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds but because of your great mercies. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. For uh, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. That was a prayer of penitence. That's a prayer being poured out by a heart that wants to say to God, please, 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 Forgive us. But then when you get to verse 20, the prayer is interrupted. It's interrupted by the angel Gabriel. And I know you know who Gabriel is. You remember how Gabriel appeared to Mary announcing the birth of Christ. Gabriel appears to tell Daniel about 70 weeks. So let's very briefly now review verses 20 through 27. Now, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of the people of Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, caused me to fly swiftly, reached about me at the time of the evening offering and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Pause again. Daniel has not even been given the privilege to say, Amen. The prayer is not over, the prayer has not been brought to an end because Gabriel has said, Daniel, I've been told to give you a message. Here I am. He says, the skill to understand. If I could underline and highlight any of the words in Daniel 9, it would be those words, the skill to understand. Daniel understood this. Verse 23, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up a vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be, listen carefully, seven weeks and 62 weeks, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. I'm going to return to this, but those are important dates there. And after the 62 weeks, the Messiah... Shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, and the, till the end, the war desolations are determined. Then he will confirm a covenant with many in one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wings of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. That's going to lead me to this idea of chronology and calculation. How do you address the 70 weeks that Daniel discusses here? Well, let me tell you that some see this as figurative And symbolic. The number seven in apocalyptic literature often is not a number to be taken literal, but it is a number that represents completeness. You have the seven churches of Asia. There were more than seven churches, but that represented a complete number. You have the number seven, which is always in itself considered to be a spiritually complete number. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 22 when Jesus asked the Lord how oft should he forgive his brother up to seven times? And do you remember how the Lord responded? I say not unto seven times but until 70 times seven. And you say, so then the 491st time I don't have to forgive him. No, the point is it's a matter of completeness. I think it's significant by the way that if you have 70 weeks, and really the literal Hebrew is not 70 weeks, it's 77s, that that sounds very much like what is said here. A number of our good, faithful brethren hold that Daniel 9, 70 weeks are not literal, but they are symbolic. And the reason they do so is because of the difficulty in trying to pin down a chronology. I don't believe that's the proper uh, way to interpret it, but I do respect those who do view that in that fashion or in that way. From verse 2, if you'll remember, Daniel has been trying to calculate the 70 years that were spoken by Jeremiah. So in his mind, he's trying to say, when is it that the Lord is going to rebuild the city of Jerusalem? Jerusalem. Because it is desolate. That's what this message from Gabriel is, an answer to that question. And you have to key on the word desolate that is found through there. The best that I can do is to try to give you a timeline of the possibility of this. Now, to do that, I want to point out to you that there were three deportations. And in order to do that, I'm just going to use a timeline so that you can look at it. And if you'll look at the left of that timeline, you see 606 BC. And when you read and study the book of Daniel, you realize that Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem and deported, at that first time, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, who we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those Hebrew young men, the princes. He came and he took the leadership, if you will, away, and that was in 606 B.C. In 597, Nebuchadnezzar returned, and at that time, he took a number of other people, among whom were the prophet Ezekiel and many more. However, during the rebellion that took place in 586 B.C., Zedekiah was deposed as the king The city was destroyed, and the temple was destroyed. So if you'll notice, 606, 597, 586, you're counting down because this is B.C. This is when the people were deported to Babylon because of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Fast forward with me, if you will, and then there will be three returns. Just like there were three deportations, there's three returns of the people. The first one occurs in 536 BC when Zerubbabel led the children of Israel back to the promised or the land of Canaan. It was much later when Ezra leads a group home in 5 or 458 BC, and he comes back with them and again begins to lay the groundwork for the city to be restored. And then Nehemiah returns which you have recorded in the book of Nehemiah around 440 B.C., and uh, they began to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. I know that those are some dates that may run together in your mind, but I wanted to point out to you that there were uh, three deportations and three returns. Now, for the purpose of reading verse 2, you recognize the 70 years were measured from 606 to 536 That's 70 years. And so you you take the first deportation, the first return, that's 70 years. And Daniel is saying, okay, I've I've looked at what Jeremiah said, and now I'm looking at what's happened. And, Lord, when is the city going to be brought back? People are coming back, but the city is still destroyed. And so the answer of Daniel's 70 weeks are three parts. and You will see it there. The three parts are the seven weeks, the 62 weeks, and then the final week. The first seven weeks, or 70 years, or seven times seven here, the 49 years, represents the restoration of the temple and the city itself being rebuilt. That was an important time. Then there was an intervening period when the city and the people stood together, and the city was... One city and doing well, then you have finally the one week that represents the coming of the Messiah and represents the Messiah then in the middle of that week, the half of the week, being cut off. And you can say, "Wow, you've really got me confused now." Well, let's take verses 24 through 27 and see if we can explore this and be a little more precise. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Now, here's why. He uses words to. To finish the transgression. To make an end of sins. To make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy. And anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Notice, if you will, the book ends. The book ends are number one, the command that was given to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, two, the building of uh, the coming of the Prince. He said, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks and the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. Now I'm going to skip verses 26 and 27 at this point to point out to you that there are six, seven weeks plus sixty-two weeks equals sixty-nine weeks. If you calculate that, that comes to 483 weeks from the command to the Messiah. Halfway through that final week the messiah will be cut off so you have 486 and a half years okay if i'm doing some calculations now where do you begin what date do you begin with like we know 606 is what jeremiah began with what date do you begin with for that 486 and a half years well there's three possibilities The first one is the return of Zerubbabel. He brings back the people to restore the city. That's 536. You add 486 and a half years, that brings you to 50 BC. That's too early. So then you say, well, what about when Nehemiah returned in 444 BC? You add 486 and a half years, that's 42 AD. That's too late. But if you begin with Ezra, 457 B.C., you add 486 and a half years, that brings you to 30 A.D. And you can say, ah, I think I found the answer then. And when you begin to do that, there's always some critics who are going to say, yeah, but Ezra did not have the command to rebuild the city and restore the walls. Oh, but did he? Ezra chapter 7, verses 6 and 7 says that uh, the king granted to him his request, according to all the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Some of the children of Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the Nephium came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. Chapter 9, verse 9, For we were slaves, yet God did not forsake us in our bondage, but extended mercy to us in the side of the kings of Persia. Now listen, to revive us... To repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Oh, you mean Ezra did return with a command from the king. And it appears that when you look at Zerubbabel, he's coming to rebuild the temple. Ezra returns with also the command to restore the walls and the rebuilding of the city. Now when you start looking at the details of the prophecy, in verse 25 he said this would take place in troublesome times. When you begin to read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, you realize that there was a lot of troublesome times. There were all those peoples here who were trying to frustrate them. I'm not going to read Ezra chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. You can go. But if you'll notice, I just want to look at the latter part of verse 4 and the first part of verse 5. He says they troubled them in building. They hired counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And so you see what's happening here. It was during troublesome times. At the end of the 69 weeks, would be approximately 26 BC, when Jesus would have been baptized by John the Baptist and then in the middle of that in 8030 would have been when Jesus would have been killed and thus you see they cut off the prince the difficulty arises with this is what do you do with the last half of that week we do know what daniel is talking about we do know that the desolation of jerusalem is determined Now here is going to be my answer, and it may not be an easy one, and it may not be the correct one. I'm just telling you the answer that I can provide. It's just like in 606 B.C., the destruction of Jerusalem was determined with the first coming of Nebuchadnezzar, even though it didn't take place until 586 B.C., 30 years later. But the desolation was determined. If you go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 15... He says therefore when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place whoever reads let him understand. Daniel prophesied about the desolation of Jerusalem. It's going to take place in AD 70. So even though it was spoken of and understood to take place in the last half of that week I would suggest to you that that's the meaning of the desolation that has been determined there from Daniel chapter 9. Now let me conclude this and uh, try to make some observations that I think you can walk away with. Number one, God has a plan. He had a plan with regards to Jeremiah and the destruction of Jerusalem. God had a plan to answer Daniel, when Daniel wanted to know when the city was going to be restored, and he said, Daniel, it's going to be restored here in this first part. It's going to stand for many years, but then it's going to be desolate again. The second thing you learn is there's a penalty has to be paid by those who reject God. Israel experienced it in the captivity the children of Israel experienced it in the first century with the destruction of Jerusalem and those who are ungodly will experience an eternity. Number three is one can have confidence in Bible prophecy. Whatever God says will come to pass will certainly come to pass. It's faith building to me and man should always seek to please God. I hope that answered. Daniel chapter 9, if it didn't, then the other three and a half hours, if you want for us to spend that, I'll be glad to uh, talk with anybody about that. Let's extend the Lord's invitation now. When you gather together to worship God, we ought to always remember that God's love has been for his people throughout the ages. He's never wanted man to depart from, from him, he's always wanted to save man. And the greatest gift that he ever gave was the giving of Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for your sins and for mine. But in order for you and I to take advantage of that great, generous offer that was given, God provided that you and I should believe that Jesus is the Christ, we should repent of our sins, confess our faith, and then be baptized. We'd love to see a brother or sister in Christ, a new one tonight. And God has also provided a means by which you and I can return to Him to do what Daniel did, confess our sins, to say to God, I'm sorry for what I have done, and then to seek God's favor. If we can assist you in any way, would you come as we stand and sing?